In today's episode, Dave interviews Matt Jones. Matt is presently on Mom on CBS. He was Badger on Breaking Bad. He's been in The Office, NCIS, CSI, and currently in Cooties, which just premiered at Sundance. Matt performed at Boom Chicago in Amsterdam and performs regularly with Dave Hill and Hill and Jones at I.O. West. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Uh, I did like, I did a handful of pilots, but none of them got picked up. Uh, you did? How, ma- how many pilots did you do? I did um, one, two, three, four. Uh-huh. As a series regular, but none of them got picked up. Oh, four this year or four in total? Oh, four in the past four years. Uh-huh. That's sweet. That's sweet. It's nice, right? It's nice to work. Yeah. Um, I love I love the, that sentence. You're booked, or however way it's said. You booked it? You booked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of like, how does that happen? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a fucking crapshoot. You know what it I mean? Really is. I'll turn that off, too. Um, <clears throat> so we just start, and, uh, you know, I... Uh, we just start. That's just that's the deal. Okay. I'm gonna make the deal, and the deal is this: we just start. Okay. Um, and have we started? Somehow I already had us started. Um, Fifty-seven minutes into it. Fifty-seven seconds into it. Uh, you're. You haven't stopped working in a really long time. I've been lucky. Is it lucky? I, I think it's, you know what I'm gonna say. That I always ask that. I don't know. I think it's part luck. Mm-hmm. Part. Um, I was ready when the opportunity came. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. What is that? But, but that's... To, I feel like to get the opportunities is luck. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a book called... I forgot, I forgot the name because I've read so many of his books. William Kennedy, he wrote Ironweed. Mm-hmm. And he... Oh, Billy Phelan's Greatest Game is the name of the book. And in the book, he goes, you create your own luck, Billy. Somebody says that to him. And I think that that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I was just saying to you that I, I had done a bunch of pilots that didn't get picked up, and then the ones, the, the one that did get picked up was better than all the other ones. Uh-huh. So I'm lucky that the other ones didn't get picked up. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, I totally understand. Yeah, like I, I've auditioned for stuff that I was like, oh man, I was so close to getting, I should have gotten this thing. Right. And I didn't get it, and I'm so glad I didn't get oh, it. Oh my God. Because it was terrible, or but that's, that's, it would have locked me up for years. Right, that and that shit happens all the time, yeah. though. Yeah. You know, every fucking day. You didn't get on that plane, so something didn't happen. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You didn't You didn't order that food, so something didn't happen. How many times have you heard people go, yeah, did you go to a merman or a restaurant? I'm like, yeah, it's like, I fucking got food poisoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that day you could have thought, and some of the roles were food poisoning, <laughs> or or a or a plane crash. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. And you and looking at that, really, it's like you you all that you got to keep doing is keep doing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's 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 very strange. It's very strange. It's an existential experience. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird because a lot of the stuff that I'm known for was not the stuff that. Like I did all the time. Do you know what I mean? No, I don't. I, I think I know what you mean, but I want you to tell me what you mean. Like, uh, like the fact that I here's a dog. Here's our dog. That's not our <laughs> dog, but it's a neighbor's dog. Hi. Hi. That's Chips. Hi. Um, so, what do you mean? Um, like the fact that I um, I was on Breaking Bad, but I would do like two or three episodes a year. Right. And the other 50 weeks, I was doing other stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I was doing stuff that actually paid my bills. Like, Breaking Bad, which was an amazing show, I was a, a recurring guest star. So that was not enough to live on right. at all. Uh, so I just did a lot of voiceover. Right. I sold some pilots as a writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, You don't stop. You fucking don't stop working. Oh, I, you know I, what I, mean? I get bored. <laughs> you get bored. That's great. And have you always been like that? Or did you realize, wait a minute, I can make money doing this and then that's your incentive? I, I've always been, I've always been like a big goofy looking guy. So like no one's ever going to do it for you. You have to do it yourself mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And you experienced that or, or were you always driven like that? I've always been driven like that. Always, mm. even from a young age. Like, there was always like someone better looking or more talented. But if I was the one that worked harder and did my own thing, then you know, I, I just saw more success from that. Right. You know. Right. Right. How did you end up at Boom in Amsterdam? At Boom Chicago. Um, did you audition out here? No, I auditioned in New York. I. It's weird. I did improv. Uh, I was already doing improv for. 
four years, five years before I did Boom. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing it in LA, but there was no real improv scene in LA then. Was, what year was that? This was... Because uh, I, I was out there when you were out there, right? I worked with you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you guess directed one of our things. Yeah. Um, I was... What year did I go there? I went there in 2004. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started doing improv in LA like 99, 2000. Right. Nothing was happening here. No, no. We had nothing. It was, it was Groundlings, which is not really even improv. Right. <laughs> uh, it was... Isn't that funny that people do say yeah. Groundlings and improv? But oh, yeah. What, so when you say it's not really improv, because I've talked about it on the podcast a lot, I, I believe that it's not really improv either, but how do you look at it? I think it's really a very improv? good thing. I, I think it's, it's a great sketch school. It's a great school for writers and for character actors and stuff like that, but they just don't do a lot of improv at their shows. Right. They don't have a lot of... It's not an improv theater. If they do, it seems to be somewhat. If they do, it seems to be somewhat controlled. Yeah, or tongue in cheek, or right. Yeah, but I'm saying like, come over here. You're gonna, you're gonna be the doctor you were before. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm um, gonna, I'm gonna sidetrack. Watching you and Dave Hill in Austin, because you guys do your stuff, and oh, we yeah. we did that thing, that Armando like thing. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. The astronaut, and um, at the out of who was one of the strangest people I've ever seen in my life. That was a fucking weird thing, man. <laughs> That guy, that guy was on a different plane. Yeah, it was awesome. So to speak. It was, it was really awesome. The, he was a, he, 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 his dad was an astronaut, right? Yeah, yeah, and then he was an astronaut. And then he was an astronaut, but he couldn't, but he was a paid astronaut. He was, yeah. He paid to be an astronaut. Because he couldn't, because of his like eyesight or something right. small. Right, And right. he had a ponytail that went down to his butt crack and... And he, he also, like, he, he had guns. In, yeah. And he, uh, guns and swords. Guns and swords. And he was also, uh, he did, um, uh, he made his money uh, doing vid uh, video, video games. Video yeah. games. He helped create the first, like, online video game. Right. Right. And this, and this guy made a boatload yeah. of money. And bought a trip to the moon. And bought a trip <laughs> to the moon. Yeah, he bought a trip to the moon. But watching, but going back to uh, when I saw you, and because you and Dave worked a lot in that thing that I saw, and I've seen you at uh, iOS as well, and there's, there's an energy and a driving focus to, the, to what you guys do. And I don't know what brought me to this thing, but it doesn't really matter because they're here and I'm here. But um, the energy that you have and the focus that you have and the certainty that you have is so, it's so awesome to see that on stage. Thanks. I, I, I honestly thought a lot about this recently. And I think that the place it all came from, like the way I do improv, is like, I, I love acting so much and I love, I love movies and I love characters and movies. And like, I see improv as a constant opportunity. It's not necessarily to be funny, but it's like to do roles I'll never get to do. Right. You know what I mean? So like, right. I can play the, uh, the, uh, the old Southern gentleman or the, uh, the tough cop or whatever I'm not going to get to play in my, or a woman or like a, you know, like a, like a soft, gentle woman. Like I'm not going to play that. No, I know. That's why I love improv yeah. is the ability to do that. And I don't know if you ever thought about this, but I remember thinking uh, my brother plays the piano and he's also a graphic he's also a beautiful a wonderful artist and he's beautiful as well he's a wonderful artist and he he could go to a party and if there's a piano play the piano and people go ooh, right or he could sketch something and you go look at that i have this thing um or people that were in plays that had sets and uh that had sets and costumes and that sort of stuff and i always felt like oh why don't i have that and i thought you know what those are those are albatrosses as much as they're there to help you. Yeah. Those are things can drag you down because exactly of what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we wouldn't be able to play. And I felt the same way about improv. Yeah. And when somebody brings their ego into the scene, it's like, why do you want to do that? Yeah, when because, something does improv to be funny, it's not right. what it's for. <laughs> it's not what it's for but how do you tell somebody that and i think that what has to happen is the the public needs to see that it's not that it is funny yeah. but it's not just funny you know, to watch helen jones there's some there's a lot going on there between the two of you that has nothing to do that most of it has nothing to do with the two of you being funny trying to be funny we have a, we like stumbled onto something that we both really love where we just do our whole show is a co cohesive story uh, because 
I got kind of tired of doing the like montage stuff and the obviously short form and all that. And I just, I wanted to tell a whole story because like, if we can do something at the beginning of a show where at the end of the show, we make actual uh, story moves to where the audience laughs or gasps because what we're doing in the plot, that is so much more satisfying than getting a laugh off of, you know, um, making a dick joke. So, but but what what at the, at the, what's the foundation of, of of being able to do that? Do you understand my question? Uh, just storytelling, just like but good. But behind that is also you having to trust you you trusting yourself and your ability and your skill yeah, set to absolutely. be able to carry that fucking thing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we both like talk about like when we're doing the show, we both innately recognize what kind of story we're telling, what kind of show we're doing what kind when you of, say storytelling do you mean the tone of it yeah like right. uh we did a show recently that was about uh a snake oil salesman in the old west mm-hmm. and it was just from the first like five seconds he came out as a snake oil salesman and then we knew that this story was about this small western town dealing with a con artist right and and that and then we had another show which was like an old black jazz musician recording his last album in studio and every, and the whole thing took place in that studio. And then he would call back to stories in his life with the reason why he is where he is now. And then we would cut back to the stories and do stories throughout his life. Right. But it was all about one story. You know what I mean? It's all telling the story of one person or one place. Right. It's just so much more satisfying to me than. And, and again, goes back to it, like you, well, you were saying this also about you will never play those parts. And yeah, I will never get to be an old black child. <laughs> right, right. But it all has to do with who you're playing with that says, that doesn't say, look, dude, you're a white guy. Yeah. You know, there's nothing <laughs> that's going to give you stage diarrhea faster than that where yeah. somebody goes, what are you talking about? You're like, oh, why would you do that? But it's the people that we surround ourselves with that allow us to make those, um, make those moves that just say yes. Yeah, there's also like, it's, it's, a, it's a fortuitous thing. Where, like, there are improvisers out there that I think are incredible, but me and them don't really have a similar style, and we don't perform that well together because we just aren't on the same plane of thought. Right. Whereas Dave and I, the story goes, like, uh, 2007, I had just got back to L.A. from from Amsterdam, Mm -hmm. and I was at Boom, and me and Dave met each other, and... Was we he actually, or he just had No, no. He, we actually met at a wedding in Vegas of mm-hmm. Ryan Archibald mm-hmm. when he got married in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, we met there, and we had never seen each other perform, but we'd heard a lot about each other. And then we were, uh, I was at I.O. one night, and he and I got drunk together. And then we saw uh, a thing on the wall that was like a two-man competition at I.O. It's like a two-man show competition. And we were like, I was like, I've never seen you play before. He's like, I've never seen you play before. And we're like, hey, you want to do the two-man competition? And we won the whole thing. We went on for like 12 weeks and won the whole thing. Uh, it just so happened that we were both really good together. Right. Uh, but it's not always the case. No, it isn't. And yet at the same time, you look at somebody and go, I like the way you think. I like yeah. the way you act. I like the way you respond. I like the way that you're listening to me right now. Um, and those are, those are things that make a good spouse yeah. as well in a partner right. in some right. other way. And to look at him and go, all those things, because I, you in this moment are making me realize my potential. Right. And I, you are inspiring to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Dave consistently surprises me and I do him and that's what yeah he's like my improv wife (laughs) (laughs) but that's really true like you have a relationship with somebody and when you have that sort of relationship the moment that you start with somebody you're like we could I could do this forever I know with Carrie Carrie and I Carrie Clever and I we could we could play forever there are other people that I could play forever with as well yeah and and that's where where I walk off stage and I go oh that was great yeah and then I never think about it again yeah yeah. I'm surprised that you remember all these shows. There's certain that ones that stick out in my mind, mm-hmm. definitely, that we were like, man, that was hitting on all cylinders right. at the time. Right. Uh, or like, even at the end, we're like, that was kind of a beautiful story. <laughs> we really enjoyed that. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, and, and with my restlessness, Dave and I were like, oh, let's, let's do something else. So we wrote a movie uh-huh. and uh, we've been rewriting it and rewriting it. And now he and I are directing it in March. You are? Uh, yeah, March 31st, we're going to go into production. And you, you're you co-directing it? Mm-hmm. And you, how big of a cast is it? 
The cast uh, is pretty big. It's it's more, it's two guys and two girls are the leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all kind of equal leads for protagonists. Mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of bit parts coming in and out of like, Crazy dumb young people in Los Who Angeles. Who do I know that that, that you cast? Oh, we're it? we're we're on we're in the middle of it. You're in the middle. Of ta- you're <laughs> we're in, in the middle, middle of casting, casting it. it yeah. Uh-huh. Is uh, anybody signed, or can you tell me? Or no, I mean nobody's officially signed. No, no, because okay, we're trying. But to... I do know Pete. We do know it's improvised. Oh no, yeah, yeah. It'll be. It's not going to be an improvised movie. No, I'm just but, saying that there are yeah, improvises in it. Right. There will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're like I'm going right after this to kind of solidify some of that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. You're in Cooties, right? I am in Cooties, You're yeah. in Cooties, and yeah. I can't believe all the people that we know that are in Cooties. Like yeah. Kate Flannery's in Cooties, right? Yeah, yeah. Who else is in Cooties? Jorge Garcia. Uh-huh. Uh, Jack McBrayer. Jack McBrayer, that was uh, it. That was uh, it. Uh, Elijah Wood right. and uh, Allison Pill. And, uh-huh. Uh, Rain Wilson, who I, I yeah. did the Office stuff with. and You were in the Office a few times, right? I They did a spinoff of the Office called The Farm, which was a pilot, uh-huh. but then they made it into an episode of The Office. They did. Yeah. How often does that happen? I, it was it was a tricky kind of underhanded thing in a way that they they called it a pilot, but they said it was also going to be an episode of The Office. So we all got paid guest uh-huh. star prices. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, no. Yeah. What did your agent or manager say about that? It's, well, I said I want to do it because it's, you know. It's the oh, office. so they were above board. Yeah, but it was the office. So right. they could do that kind of shit. Right, right. Um, and then uh, it didn't go, which honestly, I loved doing it, but I'm glad it didn't go because it, 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 it was, it didn't know what it wanted to be and it was kind of confusing. Um, Who wrote it? The pilot uh, was Rain and uh, Paul. Uh, Lieberstein uh-huh. and uh, it was good it just uh, I don't know it was uh, it felt like the office was ending and it, the whole thing just had to end so so you feel that way when you're on you're, you, you're, you're in you're in how do you say this it's like you're on a boat that you not you're on a boat that's sinking it's more like you're in a whale that's dying well no like shooting it like you're always like oh this is great this is great uh, and then sometimes, sometime later, you'll see the product and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I understand why they didn't pick it up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you, you do get it. Right. And sometimes you don't get it. I'm talking about like, The Office in general. Like, you knew Oh, The, the Office. office and, yeah. yeah. And then they asked me to be back a couple times. And then I did the finale. Right. And it was really weird, like a nine-year show ending and being a part of that. Was, right. There were a lot of people that we knew that had been on that show, yeah, too. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people. Right. Yeah, Keckner was there at the end. Right. Uh, I mean, everybody. Was Carell there? Carell did come in for one day. Uh-huh. We did the uh, the wedding scene in the right. finale. Right. Yeah. But um, you were, were you on set? I can't remember. You. I was on set the whole time. That for they that. They kept mm-hmm. me there the whole time. Right. For the finale, it was like two weeks. What was it there like being there for the? Were you there for the last moment of shooting or? Uh, was I there for the last moment? I was there for the last night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. It was good. It was a lot of tears. Right. A lot of. Uh, a lot of sad people, but everybody was moving on to something else. Right. So everybody felt good about it. It wasn't like. Can you believe they fucked us over? It wasn't that. No, no, it wasn't no, that no, no. I think everybody. Nobody was, was desperate. Yeah, nobody was desperate for it to come back. No, 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 yeah. no. And 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 the thing is, like, to be able to jump on that, because I was I always wonder about people who were in Mash, like Gary Berghoff. Did he? I can't remember. Did he do something after that? He might have. He might have. Yeah. But but those people were probably hoping they could have jumped ship at the peak yeah. as opposed to uh, yeah. after it ran for so long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, Breaking Bad was incredible, but and being a part of the finale was also amazing. Man, you've closed a couple shows. I, it was nice. <laughs> but, uh, you closed two huge I, shows. I did, you? yeah. It was right? great. It was great. Right? Yeah, but like even that show, everybody was glad it was over mm-hmm. because you didn't want it to get bad. Right. And not that it would have, but... I just love that English, I don't know, like English show, like shows in the UK, they end after like two, three seasons, yep. and they don't kick a dead horse. Nope. And, and Breaking Bad, I felt, was such a perfect little package. Right. Like you just, like even The Sopranos was awesome. It had a couple slow seasons there. It did have a couple slow seasons. Yeah. Uh, and the thing was that what you're saying, I agree, like two, three seasons and to be done with it. Yeah. Uh, and yet, right, right. Yeah. Because you don't want to, you know, that whole idea of jumping the shark, you don't want... You don't want it to, you don't want it to get to a point where there's desperation. The people that were originally there, 
Because how many times does this happen where it's the original executive producer, the original creator is there, then they leave, they bring somebody else in, yeah. that doesn't work out, and they bring those two guys back, or yeah. whatever it's back, and it still doesn't work. No, yeah, and then they rotate people in and out, and then it doesn't even seem like the same show anymore. Right. And and this was in, it was in uh, uh, Albuquerque, so nobody touched it. They just left it alone for yeah, they just left, let them do their own thing, which just works sometimes. What did you get out of working at Boom? Because the idea of, it, you just made me think about being on a satellite away from everybody. Honestly? Because um, Boom Chicago, is a, it's a, a, an improv company in, uh, in, in Amsterdam. And when I was there, they, were doing, they would do written shows. Yeah. And they would have a cast that would rotate. Yeah. And that was a pain in the ass to work that through. But um, Yeah, I mean... Like the best way to explain it is like when I, so I was in LA for like four years before I went. Like I'm You're from Sacramento. No, well I'm born in Sacramento. Uh -huh. I was raised in LA. Okay. So I like moved to LA when I was five, mm -hmm. and I've been in LA. Uh, I was in the burbs of LA my whole life, and then I moved to the city, city when I was eighteen. And uh, once I got to like eighteen, uh, I was doing improv around LA, but like I said, there wasn't a lot of. So you went here, did, were you going to college? Or no, you, you I never to went college. to college. You didn't go to college? I went to like junior college for like a semester while I was doing stuff. I'm going to get back to, to Boom. I want sure. to remember to do that. Your folks just went go or you went, I'm going to go? I, I, I never asked anybody permission. Right. <laughs> I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'll see you later. Right. They were like, oh, you can go to college if you can pay for it. And I couldn't pay for it. So I just didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. Um and uh so getting back to boom so no so then I, I was doing improv in la and there wasn't wasn't a lot out here like i had said and i was doing stuff at like uh there's this place called ultimate improv it was in westwood at the time uh and i did a lot there and i'd done stuff with comedy sports la and mm -hmm. done a couple was, things who was that, at comedy sports then Do you oh know? god uh back then was uh, I remember a lot of so those Kurt Scholler, right. uh, Mark McCombell, right. Frank Maciel. Oh, Frank. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, J uh, James Thomas Bailey. Mm -hmm. uh, God. Uh, That's fine. That's uh, fine. Uh, Jeremy Carter and Matt Corley, who do Super Ego now. Yes. They were there. Yes. Um, Matt Young. Uh, a lot of a lot of great people. So many great people. Um, um, Didn't mention a woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I don't know. I got to think, think of one too. I don't uh, you know. I, I'm just probably oh, thinking right now. Bang, bang, uh, Sylvie Zamora. Mm -hmm. um, God. Sorry, I didn't mean to, get, <laughs> oh, didn't mean to call you on that. Well, it's but, true though. I couldn't think of one. And it was truer back then than it oh, is now. Oh, it was. It was. It was. I even talk about to. I, I say to uh, guys doing improv now, I'm like, you do not understand the fact that you're in an improv theater and attractive, not crazy pe women, beautiful women are coming to your shows to watch improv. That did not happen. That did not happen. It just, that there was no women around. There was like two or three and it's just, and, and some of them were incredible. It's just, we, uh, the ones that were really good got jobs so fast. Right. Um, because there were so few women. So few, so few. And shit's changing now, but I think it's really interesting how there's, uh, how few women are nominated for an Academy Award oh, yeah. director, or yeah. you know, like how how little that is. It's a weird thing because women are half the population. Yeah. How is it that that how is it that that's happened? I mean, honestly, through through the stuff I've done, some of the best writers I've ever met are women. Mm -hmm. Like some of our best writers on Breaking Bad are women. Well, you look at uh, and uh, some of the best writers on on The Office are women, and like a, a lot of the. I, there's some incredible writers I worked the with. The Daily Boom. Show, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, what's her uh, name? Um, uh, um, uh, uh, Silverman. Yes. Who was Boom Chicago. Right, right, She right. ran that show. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, and what's her name who was uh, paired up with Letterman, who started the, uh, the Letterman show? Oh. What's um, her name? Like they were there together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. those women. Yeah. Those are two iconic. Yeah. I mean, my God, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah. Um, and I got to tell you, I love playing with women. I, oh, I do I too. I love it so much. I do too. Because the, the women are sensitive, they remember, they're nurturing, they're, you know, they're, it's about the relate, it's about the relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's all that. Oh, absolutely. I've been told more than once that I play like a woman. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, or I love plain women. I do love plain women too. I love plain women because of all the accoutrements, you know, to yeah. be able to go to do the makeup. Yeah, and there's the hair so many and the bras and the hose. Eccentricities. The, oh my god, like little fucking things that you could do. Um, yeah, but I, I did a. I was doing improv around LA, and I just and I had this one experience. Um, I, uh, I I did a bunch of commercials. That's what I was living off of. I did like I did like fifteen commercials in like three years. That was good times for commercials. Oh man, it was good times. Oh, uh, good times. One for commercial commercials. could pay rent for a year. I uh, bought a car on yeah, a commercial. Yeah, you know, put a down payment on a house. That's not happen anymore. But no. um, uh, it was really good, uh, and I. I I could not get an audition for anything that wasn't uh, that wasn't um, a commercial. I just couldn't get an agent. I couldn't. I was a weird looking guy. Like nobody would represent me or do anything. How did that make you feel? Did it? Did, were you? So my. So what? That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. What I'm saying though is this. Did like what did that do to your ego? Did it make you go in, or did it make you go fuck it? Uh, a little bit of both. I, honestly, like it, it really hurt my confidence in a lot of ways. Like the way of like the realization you have early on in this business is that your abilities only matter to a certain extent. Like they, you could be the most talented person in the world and so smart, but that doesn't matter in a lot of ways in this town, which is really hard to swallow uh, for a while. And I, I had an not ex- swallow, but accept, accept, right? Yeah, and the moment no, but it also it. does feel like you're swallowing shit. <laughs> like you're swallowing a spoonful like of shit. But at the same time, you walk away from it, and it's the same thing they were saying earlier. Those gigs that you didn't get, right, drove you to this. Those things that you didn't get yeah. drove you to this. Yeah, and so yeah, it made me angry, and it made me, it, it made me, it, it motivated me. It hurt my confidence, but it did motivate me, and I got like. Um, I took an acting class with an acting teacher, and this is like a predominant acting acting teacher. And on Melrose, uh, no, on La Brea. Okay. Uh, and she loved me mm-hmm. and was like, I, I, I hadn't even taken her class yet. I had just auditioned to take her class, and she's like, I'm gonna call uh, a the head of casting at Fox that I know, and I want you to meet her. And I was like, okay. So I went and I met with this, the head of casting at 20th Century Fox at the time. And uh, it got to such a ridiculous extent in the meeting. She had me holding her Emmy and giving a fake acceptance speech where I was thanking her for casting me on a show. And I was doing a bit where I was thanking her over and over. She sent me on, I don't know, 30 generals with, generals are just like, you just go on a general meeting with, with a casting director. I want with every casting director in town and all of these executives, I met everybody and I didn't have a manager and I never got an audition off of any of it. And after that happened, I kind of went a little crazy because I was just was like, how can I not even get the opportunity to get a job? Mm-hmm. So then right at that time, a couple of friends of mine who I had been doing improv with in LA got the job at Boom Chicago. Uh, at the time it was Heather Campbell. Yes. And Heather had been telling me how incredible the job was and how much she thinks I would love it and would be good for it. So I had some money from doing commercials and I was like, I'm going to go wander around Europe for a month. So I bought a train tickets and stuff and I, I just roamed Europe for like a month by myself backpacking. See, if you got a job, you wouldn't have been able to do that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and because you got jobs prior to that, you were able to do that. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, and then I went out there and I did that. Uh, and then I, while I was there, oh wait, no, like three months before I went, I auditioned for Boom Chicago in New York. In New York. Flew to New York, uh, hung out with some friends, did the Boom audition, got called back. Their callbacks at that time were like, the callbacks were like four hours. Right. It was, it was sort of the callback of uh, Who's Line. Yeah, it they was do the same sort of insane. Callback. Right. Um, and then they called me and said, you didn't get the job, but you're first on the waiting list. Uh, and I didn't get the job. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Europe anyway and uh, see what it's like over there. And so I was in Europe and then uh, wandering around. And then I went to Amsterdam to hang out with Heather and I did a late night show there, right. just uh, as a guest and performing. 
and I did very well on the late night show. And then like a week later, I was in Prague and uh, Pep emailed me and was like, we're so Pep busy. Uh, yeah, Pep was the, uh, the artistic director. Right. Uh, emailed me and was like, uh, "You, uh, um, uh, we're really busy and we want to add a cast member. So a month later, I... Uh, a month later, I flew back to Europe and moved there, and I was lived there for three years. Ah, yeah. Didn't you love it there? I did. I really did. I loved it there. I loved it there. I was there for I was there for two. Uh, I was there for a three weeks directing a show, and then I was there for a month and a half or two months directing a show, and I just loved it. I mean, I think the thing that Boom gives you is just the way that show is set up, and the way we were doing things back then was like. I mean, we work six days a week, always. Right. You'd only maybe, and not even always get a day off. Right. And we were doing, it's theater itself was doing nine shows at the theater uh, a, a week. week. Right. And then we were also doing road shows. Right. So there's 11 cast members doing all these shows. Road shows in, uh, like, in, in, in I mean, Germany. And, I did right. shows in 15 countries. <laughs> and so I did 1,000 shows in three years. You, you counted them. I, yeah, I, I roughly, yeah, if you say like, yeah, about a thousand shows. A thousand shows in three years. Yeah. That's craziness. Yeah. And the idea that, that, that look at that, and, 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 and you didn't go to college. No, that was my college. That was your that college. Was college for that me. was your college. I was 22 when I got there. Right. I was 25 when I left. Right. I was. It was a master's degree. It was. It was. And the I thing I think get Boom gives you is just blind confidence. Absolutely. Like, and the fact that somebody is hiring you to, to, they're flying you across the ocean. They're putting you up in a beautiful city. They're not, well, they are sort of putting you up. They're, they're certainly subsidizing in a beautiful city. And they're saying, what do you want to do? Yeah. And, and all of those shows there, there's just no net. No. At all. No. And if they, you're they failing, push you, you to fail. But I, I, I look at the work that you're doing now and I go, I could see boom in that. In yeah. The work that you're doing. Because it's fast. It's There's fast no time. Yeah. There's no time. That show, there's no fucking time. Yeah. And and nowadays, looking at all the people that came out of that space. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly you and Heather, who's writing now, and she's... Yeah, she's you know, on Who's Line now. She's on Who's Line. That's yeah, it. Yeah. You and Heather on Who's Line. Um, what's your name? You just mentioned Silverman. Uh, uh, Seth Myers. Seth Myers. I was, uh, I was heading his, up to that. Uh, uh, Josh right. Myers. Right. Uh, Ike Barinholtz is right. on Mini Project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele. Yes, on Jordan Peele. Peele. Right. Um, I worked with Jordan on that. And the thing with Jordan is, you look at him, you go, that guy's a superstar. Right away, yeah. you go, he's a superstar. He is awesome. Yeah. Becky Drysdale, and, Becky Drysdale. Col and Colton Dunn, who are right. both writing for King Peel and are yes. two of the best improvisers I've ever seen. Clearly. Uh, um, uh, we had, I had Colton and uh, Jordan in the same cast. Oh, yeah. And to look at that, I go, that, and they'd sit in the back room, you know, kind of shucking and jiving. I know I'm saying that. Yeah. With their corn, and then picking out shit from their hair. Yeah. It's like, what yeah. are you guys fucking doing? You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, you know, all There's these, so many people. There's so many people. Yeah. And it's because... Because of Andrew and because Andrew Moskowitz and because of Pep and because of uh, Ken, uh, his name, Schaefel, yeah, yeah, Ken Schaefel, those guys that ran that thing. You go look at this, and it, and it's all about the people that you have around you. And go back, I go back to this: the people that you have around you that are inspiring to you mm -hmm. for no other reason than someone was inspiring to them, which caused them to go, "This is who I am. Don't you want to play with me?" Yeah, yeah, and there were guys that are like. It was also, I don't, I don't want to say it was competitive, because uh, it wasn't, but it was in a way of like, I would see guys like, I did, I like Susie Barrett and Jim Woods right. uh, that were in my cast, uh, Ryan Archibald, um, uh, um, uh, Brennan Hunt, who came back and forth, guys that I would see do incredible things on stage, and then you'd be like, I want to do it that well. Like, I want to be as good as they are right now. And then I'd find ways to be, you know what I mean? Like. Right. Like you want to, like the shows we did, they were, they, we did range of shows that were like, I mean, I did shows that, I did a show for 8,000 people um, at Lowlands, which is kind of their Coachella in Holland, where we opened for the block party and I had to freestyle rap to 8,000 people. <laughs> like, that's insane. That's that's. Absolutely, I can't believe it. How'd it go? It, it went incredible. Right. I still can't believe I did that. Right. Uh, 8,000 people. Yeah, me and Brian Jack are uh, doing, um, uh, had a guitar and we're singing 
improvised song to them. And uh, yeah, it was just unbelievable. And then the reverse of like, we would do corporate shows for 12 people in an airplane hangar where no one is watching you and hates your guts. Absolutely. And you still have to do it. Absolutely. You still have to just shut up and do it. I, I look at those shows and I feel like every moment that I'm doing this is a moment and I'm taking it in for every moment and then when it's over, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. It's like having a boring conversation with someone on a plane. Like, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And at the end of the, the plane ride, somebody gives you a check. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I got through that. Yeah. Yeah. But when anybody asks me about, and it's, and the great thing about having done Boom and knowing people that have done it is that there's just no way to describe it to anybody. No. People ask you to explain it. I was like, I, I don't even know how to tell you how I found who I really was. And I did a lot of drugs and right. I met a lot of beautiful women and <laughs> I learned everything. And you stayed in a beautiful country. Yeah. And I had to take, I mean, you know, no one at all, but the people that are in your cast, right. everybody speaks English, but doesn't, but speaks Dutch around you. And you learn Dutch to a, an extent and it's just so terrifying and so freeing at the same time. Well, I remember I went to a party. I went to Pete Gardner's party and I uh, in 2000. And I woke up the next morning and a guy named Pep calls me up on the phone. He says, are you interested? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. He <laughs> said, last night we talked about you directing a show in Amsterdam. And I was like, explain it to me again. And I didn't understand it at all. And I went, okay. And... <laughs> And it changed my life. Yeah. That sort of thing changes your life. Yeah. Because you're dropped into a location. Yeah. And it goes back to Breaking Bad and how come and how that was great where they were filming that thing. Yeah. And because nobody was around. Yeah. And when no one is around, you're able to, there's no distractions. There's no, this is who it is that I am and I have to keep up this, my personality so everybody thinks that this is who I am. As opposed to, I'm diving into the artistry of what it is that I'm doing fully and wholly with a bunch of other people that are also diving into it fully and wholly. Yeah, it's like that thought of like anybody that has like their own improv theater wherever they do improv. Think about being at that improv theater 12 to 16 hours a day mm-hmm. always and right. then you get paid to do it and that's you're only there. Right. Like it's just you just get so deep in. It's I mean it's <laughs> and, and, the, and the food isn't all that good over there. It wasn't all that good. It over there. wasn't, but I went back this summer, and they have a bunch of good restaurants. That's now. awesome. It's so weird. I I kept uh, saying to my wife, I was like, "All oh, the food there is going to be terrible." And we had so many good meals. Where'd like, you stay? We stayed in the Jordan. Uh-huh. We stayed in like oh, a bed yeah, and breakfast in the Jordan, and it was so nice. So right, right, really close to where Boom was. Yeah, but like right? even since I've been there, like oh, she's seven years ago, um, when I left. Wow. Um, so much has happened. Yeah, it really has. Even, <laughs> uh, even since then, like, I mean, the city is so much more modernized. Like, uh-huh. they've cleaned. It's so clean and nice. And she just couldn't get over how beautiful it was. Everybody thinks it's a weed city, but it's not. I don't think about it that at all. Beautiful. When, I, when I went over there, that wasn't the things that I was thinking about. What I was thinking yeah. about was how gorgeous the architecture is. It was is, so the beautiful. The that are there and the parks that are there and the museums that are there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, there's also weed. But, you know, you're not going to... What, how much can you do of that? Yeah, and they expanded Museum Pline now. Yeah, and it's right? just gorgeous. It's right. unbelievable. There. I went to the Concert Gabao. Oh, yeah. Have uh, you yeah. been there? Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to Yeah, I used to live right near there. Oh, did yeah. you? Yeah. That... I lived a bunch of places in Amsterdam. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you were there for three years. Yeah, like two and eight months or something like right. that. Yeah, roughly. And looking at it now, again, I go back to all the training that I had at Second City and the training that I, because I was, my, my improv training was, uh, my first improv was in prisons uh, across the United States. And all improvisation is that thing about the confidence to go, someone is hiring you yeah. to do this thing because they have confidence in you. And if you think, I don't want to let them down, you're fucked. Right. If you just think someone gave me this job because they think that I could, because they feel that I could do it. They don't think that I could do it. They know that I could do it. Because mm-hmm. if they just thought of it or felt it, they wouldn't, it's different than them saying, I know you can do this. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, we just got blind confidence. It, 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 I mean, when, who's got blind? We, we being who? Oh, uh, the people at Boom. We yeah. had blind confidence. Yeah. Because it, it, it it quickly leaves, can I do this, or, or you can do it, to you have to do this. <laughs> this is what you have to do. Right. Go do it. Right. Like, go do it. You have no other choice. Right. And honestly, there's been some people over the history of Boom that couldn't do it. Right. Uh, they, it kind of fell in on them, and they couldn't handle that pressure. 
Right. Uh, but other people rose to the occasion and made him much better. I also, uh, Kay Cannon. I'm sorry. There's, oh, yeah, there's Kay someone. Cannon. Jason Kay Sudeikis Cannon. did it right. for a little bit. Jason Sudeikis, Kay yeah. Cannon. Jesus, man. Uh, yeah. Oh. You know? And there's two guys who had this idea to do this thing. Or three guys. You know? Uh, Ken, Andrew, and Pep. Yeah. They had this idea to do this thing out in the middle of nowhere. What are you talking about? You're going to take it. You're going to take the show from Chicago. This idea that you have in Chicago. And go to Amsterdam? Yeah. Where you don't know anybody? And also the levels of where... And, and you got there in the level of... The technical level of that show was out of the out of this world. Well, when I got there, there wasn't any technical. I was the one that said... No, but when you came back later. My, no, my first year there, oh, right, I, yeah. said, I said, you guys need video screen stage, right stage, left. They go, okay, we're going to do that. I said, you want to get a T1 line here so that you can get internet access to be able to... And they went, okay, fine. I'm like, wow, you really did that. And I said, green screen. They went, okay, fine. The first year that I was there, I was there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and they went, okay, great. We got a, we got a, a shop. We're going to create it in the shop. And then the, the year that I was there, the next year, I jokingly said, "Let's get two, um, let's get two trampolines, put it in the, put it in the, in, the, in the stage. We'll get two trampolines, put them in the stage." And I was joking. And then the next day, they went. I walked over. Like, what are you guys doing? They're drilling a hole, two holes, <laughs> to put Olympic grade trampolines. <laughs> never used to see. Yeah. I think there's two dead trampolines on that stage, <laughs> underneath, you know, a floor. Well, they move theaters now. They I know. Theater. I know. How was that place? It's it's good. It's it's an actual theater, which right. is crazy. Right. Uh, it's not in the heart of the city like it was, uh, but um, I, they're going through some changes. But I think they'll they'll come out of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But stuff has really been changed like throughout the whole our our entire in the short journey that we've been doing this. It's become so, and I don't say this in a bad way, commodified. Yeah. Like people are learning how to make money at it. Yeah, I mean, going back to like when I started improv early on and I was doing commercials, my first commercial agent, you weren't allowed to put improv on your resume. They told you not to put it on. They're like, people don't respect improv. Don't put that. They're going to think you're just some weird hack. Like I, And I've talked to other people. This was like industry standard. You didn't put improv on your resume. Now it's required. You have right. to. Right. Like, But it's just so weird. Like it was really frowned upon. Uh, the The whole art of it even 10 years ago it's so so strange it was even 10 years ago yeah it was just 10 years ago. yeah yeah and now and then whose line became a big deal and all this stuff right right and, yeah. and also uh, the people that have that became artists uh, improvisational a- actors who improvise they are now moving we just mentioned a bunch of people that are that are now uh the standard bearers of comedy yeah if not yeah, the standard bearers of comedy, if not also dramatic as well, to be able to pull that stuff off and to go, this shit matters. I think the great thing about it is like, you know, back in the day, you weren't a comedian unless you'd done stand-up. If you didn't, don't do stand-up, you're not a comedian. And now it's, it's weird because you have all these people that never did stand-up and are just actors that have done imp- improv and sketch and they're like good actors in television and film now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's, I think improv is far more conducive to acting and having a, a career than stand-up is anymore. I mean, stand-up is a beautiful, true art form in its, own, in its own respect, but the transfer between that and acting is very difficult. Right. Whereas improv, is, it's basically the same thing. Well, you look at somebody like Louis C.K. and you say, okay, how did that fucker do it? This is how he did it. He did what you are doing right now, and that is, I'm... I'm I, I don't know that he's he said this, but look at him, looking at him, you're like, who's going to hire you? Yeah. Oh yeah, he said that. Right. He said he had to do his own thing because people wouldn't let him do it. Right. You just have to do it. And there's also the idea of if somebody says you can't do that, you're like, who the fuck are you to tell me that you can't do that? Yeah. That I can't do that. You think you think that you can't do that, mm-hmm. but I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can have a career. It's my career. Right. You don't get my career, nor do you t- let me. I cannot hitch my pony to your feeling that I can't have a career doing what it is. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people that told me I could not have a career. And mm-hmm. um, and I just, I love that now. <laughs> you love that, that there are people that told you that you could Yeah, yeah. They really motivated me. 
right to look at that and go you're not the boss of me and one and two this another feeling is and i've mentioned this before um what you think about me is none of my fucking business yeah i can't work around you no no there are people out there that will not hire me because of my voice Mm -hmm. i've been told there are certain executives at certain networks that were like i don't like your i don't like matt's voice i think it's annoying i'm like well then fuck it i'll go do something somewhere else exactly i can't and they're entitled to that, that feeling as well. They are. Because they have a concept of what that product is that sure. they want. And again, I'm not going to... I, I they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they'll figure that out soon enough. Right. Like, oh, yeah. we should have. But there's also people that go, oh, I'll never work with that person again. And then you end up working with that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we all have those lists. And I don't... And I hope I'm not on too many of those lists of like, you know, people that don't like you and you don't, and don't want to work with you. But... Uh, I have those. I have people that I'm like, I never will ask them to do anything because no. they are awful to work with. I, that's, I agree. That's, I agree. I, I, and I'm a nice guy, so I, I don't think I'm on too many of those. But I've been working a while. It, it, it might be there. I used to think, um, I don't think there's anybody in this world that, that really, really is angry at me. Yeah. I used to think, and then I realized, oh, wait a minute. I was married for 14 years and divorced. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least one person. I don't know. Yeah, saying. there's a couple girls out there that are pretty mad, <laughs> right. pretty mad at me. Right, but, right. But uh, that has nothing to do with, you know, those are, those are mistakes that we're <laughs> supposed to make in order for us to get to the point where you're married. So you're married now. Yeah. And is your wife in the industry? Uh, yeah, she, uh, I met her doing a commercial. Forgive my not knowing. No, no, she's, it's fine. Because one day I went up to Heather Locklear and I said, we were, we were doing a show. Uh, we were doing oh, some show. What was she on? Um, uh, Spin City? Yeah, Spin City. We're doing Spin City. And I said, because I don't really pay much attention to what people think. And I said, um, you know, my wife sometimes helps me with my lines, but doesn't, she She doesn't, she can't. And she said, yeah, my husband never listens, never, never helps me with my lines at all. And I'm like, what does he do? <laughs> He's a musician. And it's like, wasn't he in Joe Bon Jovi's band? Richie Sambora? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I have no idea who so for, you might as well you she might actually like that though no 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 right. she's like oh that's great that he doesn't give a shit she thought it was cute I'm yeah. sure that she did but anyway um, you met your wife on a on a, on on a, a commercial uh-huh. uh, that I booked here but it shot in Chicago and she was living in Chicago at the time uh. and she just she's like a, she did a lot of print modeling a lot of like a lot of like uh, modeling advertisements and catalogs and stuff like that and then this was her first commercial and we met and then she moved to LA and we got married wow uh, really but we've almost been married two years yeah and she's so the, that's, this is recently. Yeah, we got married in uh, 2012. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Again, I go back to it's really great to 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 be to have a partner who knows who the fuck you are. Oh yeah, and she doesn't. One of the and, and I, I'll be honest. One of the greatest things about her, she has no interest in doing improv mm-hmm. or comedy. <laughs> Does she come to see your shows? Uh, yeah, sometimes, uh-huh. off and on. But I also don't want a girl that always comes to every one of my shows. Right. It's just not. Right. You're going to get tired of me. I get tired of me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to, uh, did you, wait, wait, is it too late? The cooties thing at Sun, no, Sundance. Yeah, it happened last week. I, I was working, so I couldn't go. Uh-huh. But um, no, I'm not going. Right. Uh, but yeah, she's like the greatest person I've ever met. So I, and, and, it, and it worked out where I, uh, Dated and broke up with the right people at the right time, and now I'm with we her. Keep going yeah. back to that. Yeah, right? yeah no, I know. We keep going back to that. The idea of what it is that you're not supposed to do is exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah. What it is that you're not supposed to do? Wait, how am I saying that? What it is that you're not supposed to? You're not doing what you're not supposed to do is exactly what it is that you're supposed to do. Yeah. You're supposed to not do what it is that you're supposed to be doing. Does yeah. that make any sense? No, it makes total sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And yeah. And then, and then what ends what ends up happening is you go, oh, this is exactly my favorite person. You met your favorite person. I did, yeah, she's my favorite person, absolutely. Yeah, I like being married to her. I like hanging out with her. Right. Yeah, she do makes me laugh. To, did, oh, do you get to hang out a lot? Oh, we hang out a lot, a ton. One of the greatest things about doing the show I'm on now uh, is that we it's didn't a, mention it. Moms. Right? Mom. 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 Uh, it's on CBS and it's, uh, it's a sitcom, so you don't work that much. Right. I mean, you work in the day, rehearsing some, but I'm home by five every night. And uh, yeah, and, and I can afford to hang out with my wife. It's pretty great. <laughs> but I also have time to do other things, like, right. uh, like write and stuff. Great. So, What's the name of the movie that you're going to be writing? Uh, our working title right now is One More Night. That uh-huh. might change. 
but uh, yeah, it's good. It's about a, it's kind of an LA story for us, like uh, what it's like to actually live in LA right now at, at our age. Uh, it's about two guys. It's all happens in one night, and it's two guys meet two girls, and they kind of go on this adventure in LA together. But uh, how was it writing with Dave? I love writing with Dave. We love writing with each other. We just improvise with each other. Right. We just sit and improvise, and if we like something, we write it down, and we argue, and then that's types? great. I type. Uh-huh. Um, Dave paces, and uh, it's really fun. Um, and we, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I, I, I'm really, really enjoying it. We were went through a big pass of it last week for like our final, final shooting draft, and we were like, this is really funny. We were like really excited about it so if we can pull it off i think it can be really great but um yeah it's it feels a little bit like swingers but uh from the girls and the guys uh, perspective so it's far less misogynistic and uh did you did you uh, how did how are you funding it we got some money from some people okay you didn't you didn't crowd no we didn't crowd i don't don't know how i feel about that i really don't know how i feel about that well, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And and sometimes, I mean, like for like independent musicians who uh, can't afford to make their album and they have a built-in audience and the audience wants that independent musician to make another album and they pay them. I have no problem with that. I have a problem with people like Zach Braff right. going out and raising a bunch of money for right. his Right, Adam Yeah, uh, that, that bothers me a little. But right. um, I don't right. know. Right. I don't know if I have too much pride to do it, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know, or, or 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 the fact that I don't think I'm a big enough name and I couldn't raise any money and I don't want to feel. Stupid. Well, you did raise the money. But yeah, I did. Ra- we did. did, raise we, did we did raise money to make make the movie. Congratulations. Um, Let's stop there. Great. Can we do that? Sure. All right, good. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was really good. Today's episode was sponsored by GoDaddy. Thinking about starting a new website? GoDaddy is offering one new or transfer.com for just $1.99 for the first year. Go to GoDaddy.com and enter the code ADDcomedy at checkout or click on the GoDaddy banner on our website, ADDcomedy.com. Hello, ADD Comedy Podcast listeners. Dave Rosowski here. First off, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. And second off, if you've ever wanted to take a class with me but thought, gosh, I don't think I'll ever be around where David is, Know that you can now take the virtual class at iActing. Just check our website out, and there's a link there. Click on that link, and that will set you up. you got to do a little hunting, but I think that it's well worth it. We'll hear you in your ears. Bye. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.